Hi, my name is Alvaro Silverstein, and I lead the Open Path by traveling in my wheelchair to places like Patagonia, Machu Picchu, and Torres del Paine, and founding Wheel the World to allow other people with disabilities to travel the world, and already 2,000 people have traveled with us. Welcome back to the Beat the Open Path podcast, and guess what, folks? It is episode 100! Why did I do the air horn sound effect instead of just putting it in when I have the sound effect on my computer? I don't know! But that's what kind of episode it is, so I'm going to clap for myself. Woo! Yay! Again, I could have just put that sound effect in there. Anyways, we got a great, great, great show for you today. Alvaro Silberstein has a remarkable story to tell. This man was born in Chile. And Albro's life was turned upside down in a car accident that left him paralyzed. He soon witnessed the ways in which the world can be unaccessible to people with disabilities, making travel difficult or even impossible. So he made a personal journey to Torres del Paine National Park in Chile, and his feat attracted media attention, leading him to the idea of starting a company and a service to help others with more accessible vacation, travel, and adventure tours. His company, Wheel the World, has received millions in funding so far and has been featured on a lot of major media outlets. And he helps people like himself reach destinations that they never thought possible. He sells freedom and adventure, and it's just so cool. Oh, and by the way, he found meaning and success in his own life in the process. So I can't wait for you to meet Alvaro Silberstein of Wheel the World. Well, welcome to the show, Alvaro. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a real honor to have you here today. Thank you very much, Ross. Very excited to talk to you. So first up is Machu Picchu, one of the coolest places that I've ever personally been. I don't often get awestruck when I visit a place. There aren't too many places in the world that you visit and you have a magical kind of feeling, but Machu Picchu is one of those places. And uh, this is an experience that I think you can probably understand all, all of it. So I went with a friend of mine. We, uh, we were on a crowded city bus. We waited for several hours. We stayed in, I think it's called Aguas Calientes. And uh, we stayed in a really cheap hostel. And then we walked all the way up. And we're just sweating. And it's such a difficult path up. And then two things happened that were kind of funny. One is you see the locals, the Inca people, they're just running up and down this trail. So we're like, oh, 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 and they're just running up and down like it's the easiest thing in the entire world. And then we get up to the top and then you see a whole bunch of tour buses that just show up at the top. And I thought, oh, man, like I didn't even know that was possible. Of course, I think we had a better journey. But uh, as soon as you get to the top of Machu Picchu, it is just mind-blowingly awesome. But of course, doing it the way that you did is even more incredible. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to your mission. Yes. So um, my name is Alvaro. I, I am 37 years old and I am originally from Santiago, Chile. And uh, when I was 18 years old, I, I, had a, I was part of a car accident. And since that moment, I have paralyzed my body from the chest down. I partially moved my arms and I don't move the fingers of my hands. And, and of course, it was a very tragic incident and it was very tough to read, to, to accept it. But I was very lucky with having a lot of support from my family, from my friends. And since that moment, I started to reconstruct my life again. And, and, and travel always, since I was very young, was very close to my, my heart and very important for me. And while I was gaining independence and, and getting to understand how was my, my, my new life after my accident, I realized that it was possible to travel, even having a, a, a severe disability as I have, but it was, it was also very challenging and very tough, given that the industry and the world hasn't been designed for someone who uses a wheelchair and can navigate the world. And, and and, and, and what happened is that once um, I started um, talking with a good friend, his name is Camilo, today is my co-founder at my company, it's called We All The World. And we get to the idea of planning a trip together with other three friends to a very famous uh, national park in Patagonia in the south of Chile that is called Torres del Paine. Okay, this is a beautiful place that you 
uh, uh, you hike for five days through the mountains of Patagonia, looking glaciers and lakes. And I always dream to visit this place, but of course, given that I'm disabled, I said, this is impossible for me. Camilo encouraged me to figure out on how to do a trip together. And we realized that there was like zero information of accessibility of this destination, that nobody else in a wheelchair did the trip that we wanted to do. And long story short, we did it. I became the first person ever in a winter to complete the W trek in Patagonia. Uh, we needed to figure out on how to do this trip. We, Camilo did a scouting trip to find the accessible accommodations, how we will move around. We bought a special hiking wheelchair uh, that allowed us to, to navigate these trails. Um, and the trip was amazing. It was beautiful for me, for my friends, also for the people who work for the travel industry in Torres del Paine. And afterwards, our story became pretty viral. Uh, we were in the news. In this, I, 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 at, at that moment, I, 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 I lived in the Bay Area. So, and I was uh, studying at UC Berkeley and, and Berkeley did a lot of PR. So for example, the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, write, wrote an article about our trip. Mark Zuckerberg posted a trip about, about our, our story. Um, wow. and, and this viralization of our story uh, made that many people started reaching out saying, oh, how cool that trip that Alvaro did. I also have a disability. I also want to explore Patagonia. And with Camilo, we started organizing this trip to other people, realizing that we could also impact other people on, on, on making their, their dreams happen in terms of travel. Uh, and that's when we decided to fund Will the World, that is a startup with the purpose to make the world accessible. And today, basically, we, are, we build a website that people can find and book accessible travel experiences in more than 100 destinations around the world. And so far, we have achieved that pretty much 2,200 people has traveled with us so far in three years. Incredible. Well, many claps for all of that. <laughs> Very impressive stuff. I have to know, what is a hiking wheelchair, first of all? What is different about it? How much battery capacity? So, how does it work? <laughs> so uh, the, the one that that, uh, that we used for Torres del Paine trip, and we have it in different destinations, it's a one-wheel uh, wheelchair that it happens that allows other people to push you uh, in a more comfortable way through trails that are just not accessible. It has suspension, it has brakes, uh, it's more narrow and it, it allows you to be pushed by two or three people. Uh, so you can pretty much climb a hill with that, with that wheelchair. Um, and that's the one that, that the, that's the equipment that we use for people that wants to travel to Patagonia with us. Incredible. So how many miles was that in the end? How big of a journey have you done on this thing? So it, it, it was um, it was a five days trek that wow. we hiked pretty much like five hours a day. Uh, wow. there, actually, there's there's some videos of, uh, of, of that trip. Um, we'll post it. And, 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 and it was beautiful. Uh, and, and we replicated that trip into other destinations, like very adventurous. For example, Machu Picchu. I, the first time that I went to Machu Picchu was when I was 15 years old with my family, before my accident. And what happened is that um, we took the train, as, as you did, to, to get to Machu Picchu. And there was a strike. So it took us like four hours to get to Machu Picchu. And we could just be like only one hour there. And of course, it was it it it, it was a pain in the ass to uh, not to be able to explore Machu Picchu for a long period of time and the full day. But I didn't care because I said I definitely will come back again. I live in Santiago; it's not far away from Machu Picchu, and it is as, as I agree with you, it's such a magical place. That I said I have to be back, and I will come again doing the Inca Trail. That is the four days hike from Cusco, that is the closest city, to the ruins of Machu Picchu that you make a beautiful hike through the mountains of Peru. Of course, after my accident, I say there's no way that I could, I will be able to do this again. 
But actually, after this trip to Torres del Paine and founding Wheel the World, I said, okay, this, this is possible. And, 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 and the, 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 what, the, the second time that I went to Machu Picchu, it was with this hiking chair and doing the Inca chair. So I made my dream come true even, even after having a, a tragic accident. Uh, we also have a, a documentary about that trip. And so far we have uh, achieved that more than 300 people has traveled with us to Machu Picchu. Not by doing the Inca Trail, because it was the craziest thing I have ever done. Wow. Uh, it was really tough, and we don't want to put in risk our customers. Uh, so we, 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 we helped them to get by train and through an accessible experience. But having that experience and doing something that I thought it wouldn't be possible for me was unbelievable. That's so cool. You know, one of my earlier guests, a guy by the name of Aaron Baker, I don't know if you know who he is. He just released a book called The Rebellious Recovery. He was a motorcycle champion, and I want to support his book, but he also had a motorcycle accident. He was completely paralyzed, quadriplegic, no arms, no legs, and he was given a one in a million chance of walking, and, and by some miracle, he actually did develop and regain the ability to walk again. But he did some interesting things, like he did a cross-country bicycle trip eventually uh, on the back of somebody else's bike and then he went by himself so i think you two should connect and i'll connect you guys after because i think there's a lot of overlap in your mission and and you, you're both great people but what is it about the world the accessibility of the world or what is it about these journeys that is so fascinating when your world is made so small all of a sudden overnight how do you feel about that, the need to do these trails? How does that experience shape you? Yes, yeah, so when, when, when you achieve something that for many, for, for a long period of time, you thought that it was impossible for you, and not even that, that people told you that it was impossible for you, and... It's, it, it, it just it feels great and it, it empowers you so much. So for me, traveling and going on adventures and experiences, uh, having my severe disability, I also have a quadriplegia, a quadriplegia uh, allowed me to gain so much confidence in myself in every aspect of my life, socially, emotionally, um, uh, professionally, and and, 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 and it's just because you set yourself a goal that it was pretty much difficult as everyone thought to, to, to achieve and, and achieving it and make that dream come true. It's something that definitely um, contributes to, to your self-confidence and to your happiness at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I grabbed from your website that there are 1 billion people with disabilities in the world. Is that number accurate? Yes. So one in seven, one in eight, roughly people with disabilities. How many people in the world have disabilities that affect their mobility? Do you know that? It's, it's pretty much 30%. So let's say like 300 million people. 300 million people in the world. Yes. And why is it that you think that the world has for so long been so inaccessible and so unfriendly to people in wheelchairs and people with disabilities? That's a good question. I, I would say that basically um, it took us a, a, a long time as, as humanity to, to understand that that the world should be designed for people who has mobility constraints. So until the 70s, like people with disabilities were seen by, by religions as people that were like, uh, they were like punishing their families because of the demon and things like that. And, 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 and people with disabilities were kept in, uh, in facilities Right to, to to get to to that were apart from society in very bad situation and very bad conditions, um, because we ended up building a world with full of barriers uh, 
thinking that this world shouldn't be designed for people that had different disabilities. And starting in the 70s, right, with a movement that started actually in UC Berkeley by the great person called uh, Ed Roberts, trying to change perceptions that people with disabilities also needs to uh, be considered in society in general. And we started uh, um, at that time, that it wasn't too, 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 many, too much time ago, uh, to rethink on how we build cities, how we design transportation methods, how we design universities and every aspect of society. But of course, everything that was built before uh, was full of barriers, right? And, and, and that's the big challenge. And, and, and today, I think from, from the 70s until now, there's a lot of progress, but still a lot of things that need to be uh, changed and redesigned. And, 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 and it's just because um, we, we call disabilities a, a minority, right? Like one billion people in the world that has disabilities, that means that 15% of the world's population have disabilities. But if you consider our families and companions, so for example, my girlfriend, we live together. And if we go to a cafe close to our, to our apartment, to our apartment um, and it's not accessible, she also suffers. That means that there's at least one billion extra people that they don't have a disability, but they also need accessibility and inclusion, right? And, 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 and what we also like to discuss and to say is that disabilities at the end of the day is the only minority that actually is not a minority because all of us will be part of a sooner or later because of, of, because of aging, right? It's just that some of us uh, get to this community uh, earlier than others, but at the end of the day, all of us will, be, will have a disability at some point in our lives. That's so true. And we have this strange obsession with youth and health in our culture. We have such a terrible relationship with aging and all of these natural processes. We think if you're under the age of 25, that is the ideal. That's the human being. Everybody, when you're elderly, if you've got disabilities, forget about you. You don't matter. You're not the one that we're trying to sell to. Why do you think that is that we have gotten to this place in our society? I mean, you said it's improving, but obviously there are still a lot of prejudices out there. Yeah, and, and I, I, I would say it's biases that we built regarding like past experiences. But the reality is that uh, the world is changing fast and, and humanity is changing fast. And today we will live until 120 years old. That, that's the life expectation for 2030, right? Um, and, and, and when we and our conceptions and our biases are considering that life expectation is 70 or 80 years old, right? But that's not the reality moving forward to, to what the, what's the world that we are living in. Um, so, so, so I think it's, um, it's just biases that human beings we all have, and we need to challenge ourselves to, 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 to think outside of the box and outside our... our, our, our common uh, beliefs to 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 not to, to to be more inclusive yeah i think everybody on earth like you said we're all going to be part of this group sooner or later no matter what we do but i think everybody no matter where they are in their life they can relate to a moment where something major changes in their life something negative maybe they lose a job or they get kicked out of their house or something bad happens or they get in an accident any kind of thing can happen to somebody or you lose a loved one and it's easy to go into a state of depression and to feel really bad and of course we can know that oh somebody else has it worse than me but we still feel sorry for ourselves how is that process based on the people that you know and for yourself how do you go out of those most depressing thoughts and decide to make meaning from something and to say i'm gonna rise out of this and make this into a positive thing instead of just staying in the negative headspace. How do you think that goes and how did that go for you? Yes, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's reality that everyone that has a, um, a situation in their lives 
that ends up with a severe disability, uh, it's really tough. And of course, I passed through a moment that I was depressed and I was uh, done with my life. Um, and, and it's normal, right? Because you had such a, a big change in your life that it's normal that that to happen. But you start realizing that there's people that overcome that same situation that you are passing through. There's also your family and friends that are sur surrounding you and really believe that you can overcome that situation and they really want to support you. Um, and you start realizing that uh, you can gain, you can go little steps further and as long as you progress and gain independence and, and accommodate and, and, and get used to, to this new situation, uh, it paybacks, right? It paybacks. And, and, and in my case, for, to, to be super honest, for one year or two years, I was pretty depressed and I was pushing to gain independence with rehab, with uh, getting back to normal, to a normal life, going back to university. I, I, I wasn't doing it because of me. I was I was doing it to um, to satisfy my family, so they don't feel bad about me, right? But there was a point that I didn't not even realize that it was I was actually doing it because I I had dreams in my life and I had challenges that I wanted to pursue, and and I was happy because of that. And, and it was a transition between the like being depressed and being seeking the life that I wanted to seek, and that I'm happy and I'm grateful of that people that supported me to to push myself to 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 reconstruct my life at the end of the day. That's excellent. Were you always entrepreneurial at heart, or was this your first foray into entrepreneurship? I was a wannabe entrepreneur, pretty wannabe much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, like I, I come from a, <laughs> I come from a family that I, I'm the, the youngest of four brothers, and my three older brothers they're, they are they are entrepreneurs. Also, my my grandfather. So, I uh, entrepreneurship was was part of my of my early life, and and. And, and I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I studied computer science engineering, and I saw that I, I had some skills to to lead and to find um, opportunities. And at some point, I realized that um, that if I started my own thing, would will definitely be related to solve problems for people with disabilities. Because I was looking for opportunities and I identified opportunities all the time uh, in in the disability um, aspect and context more than anything else, um, and also because I felt that it was a good way to to contributing to and 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 giving back. Given that I felt pretty lucky in terms of how I overcome my my, my personal situation, and actually. I am, as I told you, I, I, I am originally from, from Chile and I applied to, to, to do a, a master's in, in the US. I, I went to do my MBA at, at UC Berkeley and my, my essay to apply to Berkeley was I want to become an entrepreneur to solve problems for people with disabilities. So, and, 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 and after that trip to, to Patagonia, the, this dream came, came true. So cool. And you said you were noticing problems everywhere, all the simple stuff, maybe crossing a street, stairway down into a metro station, trying to get on a subway, tons of problems everywhere. How did you settle on this particular problem of all of the other things that you could have done? So, yes, and, and, and I tested many things. So, for example, one of the things that I tried to push was I need assistance. On, on a daily basis. So every morning I need someone to come to my house to help me out with my um, to, to, to my routines to get ready for the day. Uh, and this is not something that is specifically that someone knowledgeable or someone who studied nursery needs to do. It's just someone who wants to help me for one hour, uh, transferring, helping me to get right, uh, dressed faster as, as if I can 
if I can do it on my own. And so I, my, the idea was to build an Uber kind of service to seek a, a help from other people, right? That it's around your 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 neighborhood or your city, whatever. Yeah, so like it, it didn't idea. work. Yeah, it okay. didn't work that idea uh, for many reasons. And 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 why travel is just because we did we did this amazing trip that we transformed in a project that we said, okay, let's become the first one to then allow other people to repeat it. And 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 when it came it, when it became viral. Hundreds of people started reaching out saying, oh, this is so cool. I also want to do this trip. And we started organizing this trip to other people. And that was the aha moment more than we were the first ones. No, that wasn't the, 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 the great moment. The great moment was realizing that there was other people that wanted help to, to, to travel. And, and that's when um, we decided to commit 100% because we saw the opportunity of 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 um, building uh, a service that had so much value to other people. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Well, let's talk about what makes an accessible trip or vacation. What are the factors? How do you plan out a trip like this? What are you looking for when you're building this kind of experience? Yes, and, and, and that's a good question because we have talked a lot about like outdoor adventures and at Wheel the World, people can book a hotel in Miami to find the accessible transportation to go from the airport to the hotel in Paris, for example. Uh, and, and what's important to consider? So first is uh, find the right accessibility information, specifically of where you're going to stay, so accommodations, how you would move around, so ground transportation, and the activities that you would do at that destination. And that's pretty much what we offer at wheeltheworld.com. We are raising in detail the information of hotels and accommodations in general. And we are going into the specifics. What's the width of the door? What's the height of the bed? What's the type of shower? Because what we have realized is that also what makes the problem even complex, more complex, is that accessibilities are totally different. One person by, by other person, right? So we are collecting these data points of accessibility in detail, specifically of hotels, transport, ground transportation methods, and uh, tours and activities. And we provide this through wheeltheworld.com so our users can find and book what specifically satisfies their needs. Um, and, and those are the, 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 the main things that you have to consider, like where to stay, how to move around, and what are the activities that you are going to do at that destination. That's so cool. Can you wheel us through one of these experiences? Can you describe <laughs> one of them in detail? What does one sample experience look like? So you mentioned in advance that you that you went to Costa Rica once. Uh, that's my favorite destinations that we offer. And it, for yeah. example, we have there like a multi-day trip that you can book uh, with us for five days. And that multi-day trip uh, considers the transport. Uh, you get to the airport in San Jose. It, this considers the transportation that the transportation that pick you up from the hotel, and it's an accessible winter accessible transportation. It gets you to the hotel that has a rolling shower if needed or a bathtub if you need. We have all that information, and you will go on different um, accessible experience going to the Manuel Antonio National Park or going on a zip lining experience that is accessible and we have um, so cool. uh, identified a provider that um, it's experiencing an adaptive zip lining. Is that in the Monteverde and, cloud forest? Yes, exactly. Ah, I yeah. love that place. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that place and is also, cool. Yeah, and also going to Arenal and, 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 and doing an adaptive kayaking experience with kayaks that has also like support for someone who has limited mobility and stuff like that. Well, I'm not so sure about your plan because I don't think that anybody should go to RNL. It's a scary place. Have you been? Why is that? 
because <laughs> because there's there's an ant that is the most painful sting in the world. There's the most venomous spider in the world, and all of the bromeliads. There are several venomous snakes that are just floating around the terciopelo and all these others. There are panthers on the trail, and of course, you know the volcano can just go off at any moment and crush me. There's a lot. Of, so, it's beautiful, but man, it's serious. So I'm lucky that I didn't know that when I went. <laughs> uh, so, so for the ones who fear about snakes and 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 creepy spiders and all that, we have other destinations that you can go, uh, not necessarily arena. Uh, I'm, I'm 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 happy that I, I just knew about this because I didn't when I went to arena. <laughs> yeah. We had a tour guide and he was explaining all of these things as we were going through. And I thought, I felt like I was in Jurassic Park. I really did. And as you get there, it was raining, first of all, the day that we went. And he said, there used to be a town right here. See that giant 20-ton boulder that's right there? Yeah, that came from that volcano. It came down here and destroyed the town about three seconds later. There's no town here anymore. And I thought, okay, this is exciting. What are we doing here? But it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Yes, That's that volcano is perfect. With Costa Rica in general, the people are amazing, <laughs> but it scares me sometimes. Uh, it's it, yeah. to be honest, it's my my favorite country that I have visited overall. <laughs> Well, I'm a little bit biased, like I said, because my wife is half Costa Rican, so I, I am also biased, and I have uh, you know family and friends out there, and of course I love it. I think the, the people are just so wonderful. Some of the friendliest, yeah. most open, and genuine people you'll ever meet. Everybody pura is vida, so pura vida. Hospital. Yeah, pura vida. Yeah, that's literally, <laughs> that is the phrase that my wife lives by. Every single day of her life, that's, that's her way. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. And I hope to make Chile a next stop, and then I'll explore all of the beautiful parts of your country, huge as it is. Be my guest. Let me know, and, and I can show you around. What's your favorite part of Chile? What's your favorite trail or site or thing to see? So I can tell you the, my three favorite places. Okay. Uh, the, the, the first one, Patagonia. I mean, that's my favorite one. It's such beautiful day. The nature, the, 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 the rainforest, the lakes, the glaciers, it's, it's unbelievable. And how uh, remote and unexplored it is. Uh, the second one is totally the opposite. It's the desert in, in the north of Chile that's pretty much like the Great Canyon in the U.S. That it's very, it's the most arid, the most, the driest desert in the world. And it's also beautiful. And the third one is Rapa Nui, the Easter Island. Oh, so the island, yeah. the Polynesian island, that is the Hawaii right. of Chile, <laughs> that is also beautiful, and you have the big statues with the moais, and, oh, the moai, and we yeah. also have a documentary about a trip that we did to to, to Easter Island. You can you can watch it in, in YouTube. I would love to. Yeah, that place I've never been, but it's so fascinating seeing those things. Do you have any idea how they did it? Do they know how they got them there, or is that still a mystery? <laughs> They they build it through the like volcano rocks that are there, and the main mystery is how they move it around the island. And the greatest thing is that they have identified it, that they move it standard up. So they move it like with they put put some bases with with um, I don't I don't remember how, but they move it with a with a structure in the base so they can move it standard up with ropes and stuff like that all around the island. So. So crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> so crazy. Okay, I got to plan a trip. That'll be the next big trip. I would love to come out that way. So cool. And I assume that you do these types of tours as well with your website. Obviously, yes. that would make most the most sense, right? Yes, we, we started. Uh, we started with Latin America, like as a as a focus on during 2018 and 19, and we made many people from the US traveling to, to Latin America. And then we expanded to, to destinations in, in, in the US. So, uh, and also Central America today, our top five destinations are, and, and also Europe, our top five destinations are um, New York, Paris, Hawaii, Ma Maui in specific, Costa Rica, um, 
and Cancun in Mexico. Those are the five top, the top five destinations that today we offer. And two years ago, before the pandemic, was Chile and Peru. So cool. So let's talk about, you talked about virality and how that gave you a boost and gave you a way in and proof of concept. But you've had a lot of external success at this point. You've raised, what was it, $4.6 million in funding the last time I saw. Uh, You've also been featured on Lonely Planet, major news outlets. How has the media and PR, how has that been a part of the success of your company? I think... It, it always helps, right? Um, uh, because at the end of the day, um, what we, what you do, it, it's tough to, to, to spread the word on a service, even when you are like targeting a segment that is people with disabilities. Uh, it's, it's tough to, many times people say, oh, why I didn't hear about this for so, many, for so much time. Um, so, so media helps a lot around that. And I think that we have been very um, smart, no, no, I don't want to say smart, but, but different in the way we, how we communicate disabilities. Because I have been disabled for 18 years, and every product, service, concept always use the, the word care or assistive. They use the blue color of a hospital. And it's not inspiring at all or not cool at all. And we're trying to change that. We are trying to say, you, wheelchair user, you can reach the top of Machu Picchu. You can do an amazing surfing, surfing experience in Hawaii. People with disabilities, we can do anything. Uh, and this has changed also the perceptions on how society sees disabilities. Uh, and this has allowed us to have a lot of meaning. And, and we have benefited from that. But it's also part of our mission on how we change perceptions and how we position people with disabilities as humans that can achieve anything and, 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 and can do anything. Oh, fantastic. I think that's such a great, great point of view because you're not selling a service at the end of the day. You're selling an experience. You're selling a mindset. You're selling a feeling, the feeling of freedom and exploration a feeling that is just so important to everybody. I think that's a really smart way to do it. And obviously, I'm not the only one. Like I said, many people have latched onto the concept. Many people believe in what you're doing. What do you think that the next five years would hold? If everything goes super perfectly, what would you expect? What would you love to see happen in the next five years? So I believe that we will achieve millions of people traveling to thousands of destinations. And, 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 think, and because of that, we will build a business case that will allow uh, destinations, hotel chains, tour operators uh, to, to accommodate, right? And to say, okay, I want to I wanna be part of this too, right? And, and, and that's our mission is to make the world accessible and and we believe that we will do it by building the the business case of making many many people with disabilities travel around the world so the world can accommodate to them better and better um, and 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 that's our, our 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 goal is to allow millions of people traveling to thousands of destinations what a great goal by the way, I just realized this is going to be the 100th episode of this podcast. So you're a very special Whoa. episode. Number 100. That's you. You're the I guy. feel honored. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. I just realized Congratulations. That. Yeah. Thank you. Well, same to you. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Uh, is, now, I think I know the answer to this question, but with the business, is your goal to build it and sell it? Or is this something that you see yourself doing for the rest of your life? For the rest of, the, of my life, I, I think. Um, and I think that, so, so to be super honest, um, we have a lot of ideas and sometimes we lost the focus because we want to do, I don't know, we want to help a, a festival to become more accessible, um, a music festival. Then we want to help, um, for example, we are in a project to help the, the, 
the, the, the country of Bhutan to, to help them out on the accessibility of, 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 their, of their travel policies, etc. So there's so many opportunities around the, the, the accessibility world uh, that we see that once we solve in general the travel problem, we will move to other verticals and to other things. So I think that um, I envision that will the world will last forever, and hopefully I will part of it until until for, for always. <laughs> so great. Now, when you say you lose focus, or people who have lost focus, how do you refocus yourself? How do you know when you're losing focus? How do you know what to focus on? Um. Through constant conversations with with our team members and 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 trying to to do the things right, right? When you when you push to 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 achieve excellence on what you do, you realize that you can't do too many things, right? To do the one or two things extraordinarily well, and and that's through experience, through realizing that things need to uh, be considered um, with focus with your energy so so they so do, so they work well mm. yeah that makes sense so of all of the things that you have done what has been the most rewarding so far what has been the best part of this entrepreneurial journey for you at the end of the day, is is receiving positive the positive positive feedback from the people that are impacted by Wilderworld. That's the most rewarding thing, and and I can um, frame that in our first client. That when we did the the the, the trip to Patagonia and Torres del Paine, three three weeks later. Uh, there was a family with a kid with a cognitive disability that they live in the city of Punta Arenas in Chile, that it's only three hours from, from Torres del Paine, that they reach out to us saying, oh, we never thought that it would be possible for us as a family to do that trip that you guys did. Um, and we ended up helping them out on, on doing that trip. There's also a video about that trip of that kid with his family. And in, in YouTube, uh, and that was one of the most emotional days in my life when I realized that that trip was successfully done by them, uh, and we could impact other people. And and now we have uh, had already like 2,200 clients, uh, and the most rewarding thing is uh, realizing that they are happy with what we do for them. Absolutely. Well, every business faces challenges, and I know that yours is no exception. So what have been some of the hardest moments? Have there been moments where you said, screw this, I'm out of here? Yeah, especially on 2020 with COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was really tough. Um, yeah. I mean, we even thought of, of, of pivoting to other industry because for so many months, more than a year, Travel was just not a thing, right? Nobody was nobody was traveling, and and of course we re, we knew that that travel would come back sooner or later. It just took so long, right? Like in, in our in our yeah. project in, in our like um, um, forecast, it was okay. It, it was like March 2020, and we're saying okay. Um, August, September 2020, like COVID will not be a thing anymore. And then it was, it would not no be deal. August, September, it would be November. And it was March of 2021 or so. It, it, it lasted so long so it, that it was really tough. And we were, all, of course, we, did, we, we needed to do financial sacrifices in terms of like not spending much, given that we, are, we were not selling any trips. So it was really tough, but luckily, starting May 2021, we started having bookings again and clients. And so far, we've been in a growth uh, trend that we are very happy and very optimistic about the future. Sure. And speaking of financial challenges, how many staff do you have? Today, we are pretty much 35 people. 
that works wow. at Will the World. That's a lot. And re- the people that live in in the U.S., in, in Miami, in San Francisco, in Chile, in, in, in Peru, in Argentina, in Europe, we are a remote team spread around the world. The number one thing in common is that we are very passionate about what we are trying to solve. So great. And so do you believe in the idea of remote work? Sounds like it. Sorry? Sorry, what, what do, you, you do you believe in the idea of remote work? Yes, I, I, I think that uh, for, like uh, work in, a, in an office was uh, overrated before 2020. I think now it's underrated, to be honest. I think that um, remote work has a lot of benefits. For example, uh, working with people that are not necessarily living in the same city, but at the end of the day, when you meet with people in a physical place, uh, you, 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 you just have a, a great outcomes that you just don't when you are working remote. So I, I think that both things um, uh, are good. So having a good balance is the, is the optimal. That makes sense. So how do you bake that in? Do you fly your teammates out? Do you have retreats or get-togethers? Do you ever get your team together in one place? We try to build our teams, like specific teams, in, in similar time zones and, and places. Uh, and and when we can, we try to do, like, um, we try to move people so we can have, like, a one-week uh, teamwork that we can get together. We haven't achieved that all of us get together at the, at, at the same time and same place. And it's too expensive for us at the moment, but that's also one of my dreams in, in, the, in the middle term. <laughs> yeah, it's, of course, the irony that you plan these vacations and experiences for so many other people. And in the end, maybe you need to plan one for yourself, for your team. <laughs> yes. Maybe yes, in a year yes. or six months when things, you know, calm down a little bit. Maybe you'll plan yes, a trip yes. and it goes somewhere else. It could be a great experience, but I think you're right. That would be amazing. <laughs> in, in the right doses, getting together physically makes a lot of sense, and that energy makes a lot of sense. But saying to somebody, uh-huh. you have to be seated in this particular spot for eight hours every single day seems to me to be very foolish when we know about how people work and what they need to do a good job. My team is all yeah. remote, all of my marketing people from around the world, and I love them, and I couldn't do anything without them. So, But it, it also depends on what kind of person you are. If you're a digital native or if you're used to these tools, since I was 13 years old, uh, I just turned 36 myself, I was always collaborating with people from around the world and programmers groups and IRC and chat rooms and all of that. So I've been doing this forever. So for me, experiences like this, they, they feel real, even though we are connecting via Zoom right now or whatever. I'm used to that. And I think for certain kinds of people who are like that, it doesn't really matter. But for other people who are more old school and who haven't grown up that way, I think it matters more. Yeah, I think, I think in the US, you're right. Like, when I live in the Bay Area, I realized that people were already doing remote work, and this was before the pandemic, right? For example, people uh, that didn't want to commute from San Francisco to uh, to Palo Alto, and they just work from home, right? And or, or having a meeting, and but that's different in, in other countries. So, for example, in Chile, that wasn't the case. Right? So, when you needed to meet with someone from a meeting, of, like outside from your company. You actually go and visit them every time, not necessarily like just doing a, a Zoom meeting that was much more convenient. So I, I agree with you, but that um, remote work was pretty much democratized with the pandemic, but it already existed before. That's true. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with it. On the one hand, it made these things a lot more normal, but on the other hand, all of a sudden there are a lot of people in your digital space <laughs> you know i was living off in the fringes for a while and then suddenly everybody joined me and i was like okay go back go back <laughs> get away from here <laughs> it 
Because like all of a sudden everybody's experiencing the same good and bad things uh, as a collective whole, but it is it is what it is. So we're approaching the end of our, our time here. I wanted to ask, uh, is there a piece of unusual advice or advice that nobody else would think of that has been beneficial to you or something that you live by that other people don't? Well, I, I, I don't consider myself a very knowledgeable or experienced person, but I would say what has worked for me is just to believe in myself, just to push the um, push the things that I really believe in and be resilient. It meant that the, the, the greatest things to be achieved takes time, takes effort. Um, and... And I think that resilience is the by far the most important skill that um, that we as human beings uh, can have, and and it's the easiest one to have, right? It's just push for things and and keep going, and and at the end of the day, you will you will get the outcomes of of it. I love that. What a great way to wrap things up. Well, as I always do. I'd like to give the final word to you. Before I do that, I have to know, what is the map behind you? I've been staring at it for those who are watching via video. What are we looking at? So I'm, I'm in a co-work space, and this office is called the Sala New York. So the New York office. And this I, is the this is like a, a map of Manhattan. I thought it was New York and Manhattan, but I didn't want to say that and demonstrate my profound ignorance. So <laughs> I'm glad that you confirmed that. I better not yes. say anything. There it is. Ah, uh, there we go. I don't know which part is that one, but let's find Nothing but buildings as far as the eye can see. Beautiful. Yeah. There, there's the central part, as you can see. With one tiny patch of grass. Gotta love New York City. Uh, what do you want to promote? Obviously, the website, wheeltheworld.com. Where do you want to direct people to? I'll let you wrap this up. Say whatever you want to say. Close it out. Promote anything you want to. Where can they follow you? All of that. The rest of the show is yours. Yes. So please go to our website, wheeltheworld.com. For the people who have disabilities or friends and family, sign up and invite them to, 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 to know about us. And also our Instagram account is very active, uh, wheeltheworld.com. So you can you can check that check it out check us out there and also our YouTube videos that are pretty much amazing I totally recommend about that. Sounds good. You've already told me about a lot of great videos out there. I look forward to watching them. <laughs> this man is selling possibilities. He's selling freedom. He's selling travel. And what greater cause is there than that? So thank you, Alvaro. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you. It was a lot of fun talking to you, Russ. So thank you very much for, for your time. Thank you and for your time. And with that, the official podcast is over. over.